Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format helps you learn at your own pace and fit earning a degree into your life. From before you enroll to after you graduate, you'll be supported by people who are invested in your success so you can pursue your goals knowing that help is available if you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes. The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. Today on the James Altucher Show. First, why, why, why does anyone watch local TV anymore? Like, I, when I talked to Mark Cuban about this, he made the same point that you have often made to me, which is that people want to watch sports and local news. And I don't quite believe it because... I can watch sports in many ways now. It's not like one channel gets all the NFL rights. Like, for instance, YouTube carries the NFL games. And then there's local news, which up until this moment, who cared about local news at all? (laughs) Well, I think people underestimate that. I would say that, uh, you know, I tend to agree with Mark. Mark probably tends to agree with me that the value of local is underestimated. I mean, we're all somewhere, right? So there's news happening around us. Who's already here covering it? The local stations. We're all eventually going to be going somewhere. And so news is important there to get caught up on that. You think about it, news is always breaking somewhere. So who was the first on the scene to cover, you know, OJ's trek up the 405? It was the local broadcaster that was the first there on the scene. So I think people take it for granted, but I think it's more important than we all think it is. So Jack, why don't you tell me, uh, you basically have your finger on the pulse of all media. Your, your, Your software, your company manages all the streaming for essentially, I want to say, every local TV station in the country and all sorts of other things maybe describe real quick like you're a monopolist you have an entire you have a a, a monopoly on every piece of tv that's that goes local into my living room right now so maybe describe where i'm wrong and where i'm right so that's that's a great question that is the goal right when you build a business you want uh, it's all about market share and the one with the most market share typically wins we like and I, i like your strategy you're one competitor you sued and put out a business (laughs) <laughs> all the way up to the Supreme Court. Good job. <laughs> Crushing. Uh, yes, that was uh, our good friends at Aereo who are no longer uh, with us. You're right. I, absolutely right. So we have about 740 local channels on our platform today. The goal is to get everyone. We're not quite there. And by local channel, you mean like if I go to Denver, Colorado, uh, and there's a local CBS, NBC, Fox, ABC affiliate, you're probably streaming all of their stuff. The only way they can stream onto the internet is because of you. Well, that we certainly are the dominant 
dominant player in that category. And one of the reasons we are is we started early. It started in 2009, when actually when you and I met. Uh, and we started deploying the technology knowing that broadcast television had to make its way onto the internet. And, and and just to be clear, the re like if if I'm listening to this, I would be thinking, well, can't the local state or can't CBS just stream their signal, their shows just straight onto the internet? So I go to CBS.com, I can watch, you know, whatever shows are there. But uh, this is this is an important point. CBS, NBC, ABC, Fox, they don't they don't really they don't sell their shows to consumers. They sell their shows to local affiliate stations and that's their customer really if they just streamed their shows directly onto the internet they're kind of screwing their actual customers which are the local stations and the local stations are the ones that get the local ads on the on, on their local cbs affiliate and cbs will help a little bit with the national ads and the, and cbs will kind of send over the shows but cbs can't really display their shows straight to the consumer that's true. It, it, what happens is that there's a symbiotic relationship between the each television network and their local affiliates, where it's somewhat of a partnership. And some of what you you said is 100% correct. The only caveat there is that some day parts, the networks get more of the advertising space, uh, and the local station gets less of the advertising. So during a typical local newscast, the that broadcaster is getting all of the local uh, or all of the advertising the, the um, local affiliate is it local affiliate so one of the reasons you can't just go straight to the internet with your broadcast is those broadcasters have exclusivity in the markets that they serve so the networks or at least in the case of cbs we started working with them right away uh, in 2009 we deployed our technology so when a viewer decided to watch their local broadcast on the internet there had to be a technology in the middle that made sure you got the right one. And that's what we built first. And then we built a streaming platform to make it a great picture. Uh, a streaming platform to make it a great picture? What do you mean? Well, you know, the best way to get television actually over the air television is in fact over the air. You put up an antenna, you get a great digital signal. It's perfect. When you then move that broadcast to cable, it gets downgraded a little bit. Move it to satellite, it gets downgraded a little bit. When you move it to the internet, it's even harder because think about all the points in between the viewer trying to watch and that broadcast. There could be hundreds of stops along the way. So a technology needed to be created that replicated over-the-air broadcasting over the top of the internet, and that's what we built. And so, um, you know, like when I watch Netflix, which is through the internet, it seems just as high quality as when I watch regular TV. But although I never watch up regular TV anymore, like everything is done through uh, cable now, I guess. In, in, or actually, I don't even know how I get it. I get it. I have Verizon Vios. I have no idea what I'm watching. <laughs> am I watching it through the air, through the cable line? What am I doing? So with Fios, it's uh, an over the top. And over the top really means over the top of the internet. And that's how you're getting it. So one of the ways that you make that picture so great uh, when you're watching is that there's these things called playlists and a playlist is just fractions of seconds of content that are all queued up. You remember in the early days, James, you and I were probably streaming broadcast.com. 
you know, Mark Cuban's product used to have buffering and things like that. You don't see that as much anymore. And one of the reasons is that technologies exist to put so much content out there that if there's a blip on the internet, you've got so much stored up that the picture is continuous to the viewer, even though there's a technology in the background that's handling that blip or that uh, caching that's happening with the streaming. Okay, so so uh, right now, like I'm on a desktop. If I wanted to watch CBS... Okay, I guess I would normally, and I'm just using CBS as an example. It could be anything. I would normally just go to CBS.com and see if they have anything live happening. Right. So, uh, but instead they, they're directing, I go to CBS.com, they're directing me towards, uh, well, they, they have a button that says live TV. Sure. It's a $5.99 per month. Is that, so it's CBS All Access. Right. And is that you? Yep, we power that. So when I watch CBS All Access, basically they're sending their signal to you mm-hmm. and you're sending it to me. And then how do you know, you have to know which, where I am, right? So that you know which local affiliate to attribute the advertising dollars to. Right, right. We, in the early days, I called it air to web broadcast replication. I guess that still fits. So the way the process works is we embed our technology uh, in the station. We actually grab their broadcast stream we send it to the cloud, we bring it out of the station, send it to the cloud, and then we point it to the destinations that you may be using. So we point it to Hulu and Fubo and CBS All Access, Apple. On Sundays in the fall, we send it off to the NFL properties. And at the other side, the consumer side, the viewer side, the first thing we're saying is, where is this viewer? And then we're calculating which CBS affiliate, in this case, uh, is the appropriate one to deliver to James. And how do you know where I am? So we pick up, there's a number of ways to do that. The most common today is just to take the location from the device that you happen to be using. In the early days, it was billing address. Uh, It was a little bit too easy to spoof that, so we went to exact device location, and that's how we figured it out. I see. And and, uh, essentially, the stations have to use you, correct? Like, there's no other, you're in there, you have a moat to your business, they're not going to want to switch as long as you're delivering. Well, that, that's true. We like to think they have to use us. They, they don't. If they don't use us, then they probably have to hire four or five different companies to help them accomplish the same thing. When I started the company, given that I was working with the public airwaves, I knew that I had to be able to light up Glendive, Montana, the smallest market in the United States, 5,000 households. And the only way I was ever going to be able to light up Glendive, Montana is if I made it affordable for Glendive, Montana. So it's not likely if you have to pull five or six vendors together to do the same thing that we do that they're all going to say, well, let's just do it for free uh, because they'd have to almost do it for free to beat us. And then, uh, you know, so, so I didn't know actually you can watch a local broadcast TV on Hulu, but what other devices can I watch local TV on? And, and then, and then this this is all just setting the foundation for who who cares about local a. But I think it'll be interesting in this pandemic is a different answer than other times. And you know, what's the long term prospects of local? Uh, and then, and, and then, and then, I want to talk about media in general and how that's been affected in in strange ways by this lockdown and and what you see going forward in the media and entertainment world. Okay, all right, I'll try to uh, keep up with all that. So. You can watch live on Hulu. Uh, Hulu takes the exact feeds from the local broadcaster. 
in many cases, hundreds, they're taking it from us for CW, Univision, CBS affiliates especially. And then they turn around and function very much like a cable company used to, which is to charge a subscription fee. So that's one way that you can get live. How, how many people even know that you can watch local on Hulu? Like, do people know? Well, you know, they haven't shuttered the, the product after a few years. I think they're doing pretty well. And I think, you know, it's not unlike when satellite took off way back in the day. It Usually the increases in subscriber numbers were around football season when people said, hey, I want to watch football. So they went out and signed up for satellite. I think the same probably goes for Hulu and Fubo and, and those that it probably is centered around live sports. Uh, and I think people are getting it. They're, they're signing up for it. And, and what other devices? So can you do, watch local TV on Amazon? Yeah, so you can watch on Amazon Fire TV, uh, Roku. What's interesting is we tend to, everybody tends to go for the sexy names like Apple and Amazon. And the reality is 75% or more of our viewing is on uh, Roku. It's, it just blows us away because we don't I don't even think know what Roku, Roku is. So Roku is, I don't know that I could actually state exactly what it is, but, uh, you know, Roku is, uh, you know, it's a device, not unlike Apple TV plug it into the back of your television and you can stream from a number of different uh, sources programming. And, and we've found that that's the vast majority of programming is, is Roku. How many Roku devices? So Roku is something you put on your TV to get streaming of local, I guess. Uh, uh, how many devices have they sold? How many are out there in the so, U S? Oh, it's, it's, it's in the probably tens of millions, I'm guessing, but I would think it's in that neighborhood. And so on your Roku, it's just like Apple TV. You can sign up for all the different services uh, through your Roku device. And that's that's a probably as close to a pure advertising play as you can get, where they're trying to aggregate. They're trying to be that single point of navigation. So when you sit down to turn on your you turn on your device, Roku wants to be there and navigate you to whatever it is you want to watch, whether it's CBS All Access or Fubo or or Hulu. All right, so so altogether, like I'm just trying to basically get a sense of how how much of media flows through you. So like, uh, 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 how many billions of minutes a month or millions of minutes a month do you stream? So in the in the streaming world, the focus tends to be on how much flows through the system and down to the end users, which makes sense because, you know, those original companies out there, Akamai and even Amazon, that's how they get paid, by how much flows through their system. I tend to look at it another way because my job is to take the local broadcasts and make them available to everybody. And everybody in this case would be Fubo and Hulu and um, CBS and, and Apple we ingest into our system. So our hardware's out there, 740 channels on our platform. The total of hours that we just bring into our system um, is over 10 million. So local live local broadcasts, we have about 10 million just sitting there waiting for viewers to watch. What, what does that mean? So that's how many at every given point, how many minutes they could watch. How many watch, how, how many users per month do you have? Like how many... Uh, well, how many minutes do people download per month? So those numbers are proprietary to our customers who are Hulu and, and Fubo and, and CBS. So we, we tend to shy away from talking about those numbers, but I can say that, you know, the demand is high that, you know, the Super Bowl, which we did last year, uh, was the biggest viewing event in history. And it was, uh, it was amazing how many millions of people were tuned into that broadcast. 
and you get like a cut of the ads while it's viewing and stuff like that. So that was like a good day for you. It was a, it was a good day for us that we were able to make sure that everyone who wanted to watch the Super Bowl was able to watch the Super Bowl. Now, on the flip side of things, we have a product that's called SBTV, which is totally ad-supported. And in that case, we do take a share of every ad that's seen. In fact, it's our ad technology that actually delivers the ads. I see. So you don't. So um, the local affiliate will insert is in charge of all the ads when you stream from the local affiliate. But on SBTV, which is kind of like your version of Netflix, uh, you insert all the ads. Yeah, with SBTV, we aim to be the Netflix of live, the Netflix of local. And we see that as, you know, kind of the wave of the future. And we're going to go out and get live and local programming that's going to be ad-supported. Because you think about it, the main fuel on the internet has almost from day one been advertising. I mean, we searched for something, we got something, and the price we paid was to see an ad. So that tells me that in the future, people are going to prefer free especially when you have a technology in the middle that makes the ads that you see relevant to you. And then the experience is that much better. So you're kind of like, um, you're kind of like a Google of local TV in terms of like, you figure out the right ad to the right person in the right location and you insert it. That's exactly right. And people are, 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 are they bidding for those ads or? It's, um, it's a, it's amazing. There's a real time bidding process going on, uh, in the, Based on our current numbers, our forward 12-month projections for delivering ads is over $2 billion. So think about real-time bidding happening on $2 billion ads, and yeah, it's happening and it's working. So, and, and it seems like, it's a, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because I haven't seen the platform from the advertiser point of view. I'm looking at svtv.com right now. Uh, from the advertiser's point of view, can I just log on? And if I'm some mom and pop store, I can say, oh yeah, I want to go on the local CBS over here and here's my three minute ad, you sure. know, according to your spec or my 60 second ad according to your spec. And I could like pay, you know, a thousand bucks for a 3 a.m. time slot or what would a 3 a.m. time slot cost me on CBS in New York City? <laughs> well, in New York, it'd probably be in the uh, tens of thousands of dollars and your local Cedar Rapids, Iowa affiliate, maybe a hundred dollars. And really like for even for three in the morning on CBS? Yeah, yeah. Wow. But it's, you know, it's not money well spent. Um, and what we're proposing is something very, very different. And that is we go to the advertisers and we say, you advertiser can follow the viewer regardless of what they're watching. And if you think about it before an advertiser is trying to bet is dancing with the stars going to be more popular than American idol. And they got to guess, you know, and lots of companies will give you projections out there. And then when they bought the ad, say they bought the ad on American idol, they're hoping that their ad is pertinent to, or relevant, excuse me, to 30% of the audience. In this case, in the over-the-top world, that same advertiser can say, I want to follow this subset of viewers, whether they're watching Dancing with the Stars or whether they're watching a dirt track race in Cadillac, Michigan. So advertisers now have the ability to follow the viewers regardless of what they're watching. Ah, so it's like kind of like Facebook. You pick interests that you're targeting. Instead of shows, specific shows or timeframes. Yep, that's exactly right. So, um, all right. So let's let's get into it. Which is, uh, is viewing up right now during this lockdown? Of course, viewing is up. But what does it mean? Is it more local? Is it are people watching Netflix? Like, are you seeing a change? We are seeing a change. Um, our viewing is up. Um, you know, 
30 to 40% of our viewing on SBTV is, is up and the viewer sessions, the, the time they spend viewing is now over 30 minutes, uh, each session. What, what about though, is that, is that the same as saying viewership is up for all local? Like, cause you see all the local numbers. We do see all the local numbers. We see our aggregate local numbers through SBTV. Uh, I can tell you that in the virtual MVPD, and I should take a moment to tell you what a virtual MVPD is. So uh, we used to have multi-channel video providers. Those were the cable companies. They were called MVPDs. When Over the Top came, they became known as virtual MVPDs. So those are the ones that we take those same broadcasts and deliver them to. That's a Hulu, it's a Fubo, it's a CBS All Access. Uh, Google has YouTube TV. That's a virtual MVPD. I can tell you that in Do aggregate... Do you stream to YouTube TV? Like if I watch CBS on, or NBC or ABC on YouTube, am I watching you? Much to my chagrin, they've gone out and uh, built their own system to do that. But I'm not giving up. Someday. And, and, and but are, how are they able to attribute to the local affiliates? Like, do the local affiliates like what Google's doing? Well, we'd have to, uh, you know, I don't hear much from local affiliates about YouTube TV. I hear a lot about make sure I'm on Hulu, make sure I'm on Fubo, make sure I'm on uh, um, CBS All Access. And, you know, when I looked at YouTube TV, I thought, you know, they've got a pretty good thing going there with just YouTube. So why don't we just continue that? So we'll see. The verdict's still out on on the whole virtual MVPD side of things. Yeah, because I would think if the whole idea of this is that the affiliates want, they don't want the streams to go out without their ads on it. Like if I'm in New York City and I'm watching CBS on YouTube, the, the New York CBS is not getting credit. Well, they are when they flow through our system. I can't speak to YouTube. Um, but I can say that when they flow through our system, we actually are embedding the Nielsen um, what's called ID3 tags. You think of that as a little kernel of information that mm -hmm. when the broadcast hits a device, it's fed back into the system to say, okay, there was a viewer in, you know, 123 Main Street, Leavenworth, Kansas watching. That's kind of how Nielsen then says, okay, based on these numbers, let's project up. We measured with Nielsen from day one. We were the first to do that. So when the content flows through a virtual MVPD, a VMVPD, it is Nielsen measured as opposed to replacing the the ads. Okay, so so again, like, um, is local TV viewing first? What why do, why does anyone watch local TV anymore? <laughs> like, I when I talked to Mark Cuban about this a couple of years ago, he made he made the same points that you have often made to me, which is that people want to watch sports and local news, and I don't. I mean, I don't quite believe it because I can watch sports in many ways now. It's not like one channel gets all the NFL rights. Like for instance, YouTube carries the NFL games. By the way, I don't watch sports anyway, but, uh, and then there's local news, which up until this moment, who cared about local news at all? <laughs> well, I think people underestimate that. I would say that, uh, you know, I tend to agree with Mark. Mark probably tends to agree with me that, the value of local is underestimated. I mean, we're all somewhere, right? So there's news happening around us. Who's already here covering it? The local stations. We're all eventually going to be going somewhere. And so news is important there to get caught up on that. We're all, you know, I'm from Grand Rapids, Michigan, so we're all from somewhere. So I, local broadcasters keep me up to date on content and that. The internet enables me to go look at programming in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And you think about it, news is always breaking somewhere. So who was the first on the scene to cover 
you know, OJ's, you know, trek down the, uh, or up the 405, it was the local broadcaster that was the first there on the scene. So I think people take it for granted, but I think it's more important um, than we all think it is. And so, oh wait, sorry, one second. Something keeps beeping on my computer. Um, my my daughter at night plays esports on Twitch here, <laughs> and now all these messages are flooding the screen and making a beep. That sounds like a Discord. Uh, do you see a Discord? Yeah, yeah. So, um, I, how do you exit Discord? It's like a okay mess. on the bottom right. You you pull up the notifications bar. You should see a Discord icon, and then right click that and quit. I I even got Discord up, and there's so many notifications coming. I can't. Jesus, <laughs> the hell, Sarah. Okay, logged out. Yeah. All right. I'm not gonna tell Sarah anything. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let her figure it out. Uh, okay. So yeah. So do you think local lives forever or do you think eventually local news will go on? There'll be YouTube channels for people who want to share local news or I don't know. What's, what's the, what's the future of like basically my local CBS station and my local Fox station, my local NBC station? Like is that entire business model flawed now because of things like YouTube or, you know, other streaming services? Well, I think if local broadcasting and local news was going to be replaced, uh, that would have happened by now. I think there may be looking to the future. I guess it there may be a consolidation. Do you really need five, six, or ten in some of the big markets? Local affiliates doing essentially the same thing. That that likely will consolidate. But I think local news is is pretty safe because they're already there. They're the incumbents, and no one has risen up to compete with them yet. But is this affected a little by the number of cable subscriptions? And so as people start dropping cable and just doing like Apple TV or, you know, straight to, you know, straight to the shows they like, oh, I want to watch Friends from the 90s and I don't need cable anymore. Mm -hmm. But there's still this transformation happening. Like it's just like how there's still AOL dial-up subscribers after all these years when they don't need to be. But that was a, an ongoing transformation where 100 million people turned into 2 million people. Will that start to um, be bad for local as people start dropping cable more and more? Well, I think when they drop cable, someone needs to be there to pick them up. And yeah, so Apple TV will pick them up. So Apple TV, um, you know, when we set out to launch our consumer play, uh, SBTV, we set out to um, be the perfect complement to binge. And what I meant by that is before you go into binge mode, or when you come out of binge mode, you need a place to land. I mean, we're so accustomed now to having our devices doing something for us and often multiple devices at the same time. So I think that local broadcasters, my point of view is that they actually have a, a great opportunity here to not just take the content that they're airing over the air, but to create new content. We took the Iditarod dog sled race um, from Anchorage, Alaska. We, in Alaska, we've done it for several years now. And this last time, we took that hyperlocal programming out of Anchorage, Alaska, put it to the cloud, and without promoting it one bit, viewers in 70 markets tuned in and watched that hyperlocal event. So I think the broadcasters, clearly we need to evolve. They need to evolve. But that evolution is made so much easier when you think about every device a person has is capable of getting a local broadcast now, whereas to get cable, 
you had to call up the cable company, wait for the truck roll, and then pay seventy, eighty hundred dollars a month to get that service. Now you're point click and watch on whatever device you you have as a viewer, and it's it's free. So when I but when I switch from cable though to saying ah I got the Apple TV thing, I don't need to call my cable provider anymore. So I plug in Apple TV. Does my behavior change? Like, do I just start watching movies and TV shows, or do I still say, "Well, I have Apple TV, but I still want to watch my local news"? Do you see a decline in local when people switch, or is it the same? Uh, I think it's. Um, I think there's an opportunity there. I think it's a. It's not that heavy a lift to be there when when viewers are coming out of. You know, it's you've adopted Apple TV. You're binging. You're watching movies. You're watching your favorite shows. I think it's incumbent on one company, we hope us, to be sitting there as that single point of navigation for everything local. And if we can do that, then when you're done watching, you know, Narcos or House of Cards and you want to know what the weather is or about school closings or whatever it is local, we want to be there so you can launch the the app and get local. But is is what's happening now when people switch from their normal cable to Apple TV, uh, uh, are they uh, declining? Are they is local viewing declining at that moment for those users? We're in the midst of a we you know the hockey stick charts. So every Monday morning when I get the you know the updated results on how we're doing on SBTV, we're in that hockey stick phase and viewing has been going up consistently for the last six months. So I think as people cut the cord, they're migrating over to maybe they think they're going to be binge mode all the time, uh, but inevitably they're going to need to know what the weather is and what's going on locally. So we're seeing an increase every month. We're seeing an increase in people getting free ad supported local TV. So that's on SBTV. What about just, again, you're powering 740 local affiliates are is when people switch from cable to Apple TV, are they not streaming from their local as much not not on SBT, but just through your normal streaming that you do for the local affiliates. So we power hundreds of local station websites and apps, and those a year ago we were doing about thirty-five million ads per month on to all those different destinations, and today we're doing a hundred million ads per month. To those same destinations, so that's uh, attributed directly to the increase in, in the number of viewers watching free ad-supported over-the-top TV. And what what how are they viewing it? Like, what's the what 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 accounts for the rise in this behavior? Because clearly, they're all cutting the cord somehow, and they're switching to some streaming technique, whether it's Roku or Apple TV mm-hmm. or Amazon, you know, Fire or whatever it is. Uh, what's what's been the what's been the way people are viewing local now? So we we're seeing an uptick in the the apps and the websites, but we're also seeing an uptick in our overall SBTV aggregate site. So uh, Roku's way up, Apple TV is is up, Fire TV surprisingly is up, and so so like people like will plug in their Fire Stick or whatever it's called, and uh, uh, they 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 operate it, they turn it on, they they sign up for Amazon, whatever, and now they're able to stream local TV and you're finding that even though they've made this big switch from cable to Apple TV or Amazon, that actually viewing is up. You're serving more ads. Yep. Yep. Definitely so, serving okay. more ads. So so it kind of suggests that the business model of local is still here. It's it's here to stay. What are people watching locally? 
I, I guess it's news and, and sports. Is there anything else? Well, it's news, sports, it's off-net, uh, and off-net syndication. Think of that as daytime syndication. So, you know, the live with, uh, what is it now, Kelly and uh, Kelly Ripa. So, you know, they're watching that. They're watching Wheel of Fortune. They're watching Jeopardy. They're watching the local news. And, you know, when it comes to primetime, they're probably going off into Netflix or something to watch a movie or a TV show. Do you see um, viewership decline during primetime uh, on the local stuff? Yeah, we see a viewership decline whenever we're re-looping or we're looping the most recent newscast. We tend to lose viewers. And we try to have other programming there for, you know, from an esports channel to, a, you know, we launched a couple of COVID-19 channels. One is taking all of the news and aggregating it. The other is only stories of survivors. And we're actually seeing an uptick in, in viewership on both of those during primetime. So that's on SBTV. Right. But what are people watch? So people on local, just, I, I, I want to focus on the, just the local streams sure. that you do for all the stations for a second. Um, they're watching sports news and you're saying some of these shows like wheel of fortune that you can't really get on Netflix or Hulu right. or uh, unless you're going through your local affiliate. Right. Like right. People just need that wheel of fortune and jeopardy and stuff like that. Yeah. They're or trying, live with Kelly or whatever. Yep. They're trying to replicate the experience they got either with an antenna or on cable and they're just using the internet to do it. And you everything, everything that dies away because like live with Kelly might not be as interesting as watching friends on Netflix or whatever it is people watch. I think that live is always going to have an appeal to viewers. In fact, you know, in the early days, the, our plan was to bring as much um, on-demand content into our system, and our focus now is to bring as much live. Even you know, we've covered hyperlocal concerts or rooftop concerts and a dirt track race, and I think that's someone needs to fill that void for live local programming. And I think broadcasters are right there, so they might as well do it. Right, and so then you launch this app SBTV, where you're still streaming all the local, but you also have your own created content. You're kind of like, again, you're like a, a local Netflix. And it does seem to me like, you know, back in, I guess it was the seventies, TBS was a local affiliate in Atlanta right? and you know, the Turner broadcasting system. I don't even know what channel they were an affiliate for actually. Do you know what channel they were an affiliate for? That I don't know, but you know, a headline news network, CNN, they all came about because of cable, but cable first came about at one guy put up a great big antenna so he could share that good picture with everybody locally. That was the start of cable. It was broadcast television. They got cable off the ground. Yeah, and then, but what I guess the what I was bringing up was with TBS Turner had the sense to take his local station and make it a nationwide local station. That's like the first nationwide local station because right. I guess he put it on cable as well as local. Right, they became super stations. They became cable networks. Super station just meant it was available on multiple cable systems. Uh, that's exactly right. I think it was because of all these cable systems came about. You know, HBO even has its roots in being a first premium uh, movie channel that came onto the cable systems. Yeah. Yes, it's totally true. Airbnb has changed my life. If anything, they have made my life so much better. 
Like I used to live in Airbnbs. I, I lived in over a hundred or 200 different Airbnbs over a three-year period. And I loved it. I love, I became a really good guest of Airbnbs and I got to know lots of hosts. So when I initially owned a house, I, of course, the first thing I thought was I'm going to turn my house into an Airbnb because I travel a lot. So why leave my house unused when I can make a side income by letting others Airbnb my house or come to stay in my house as guests and having my own Airbnb or, or being a host for Airbnb has allowed me to do just that. And I've met other hosts. I've actually spoken at Airbnb's host conference. I think it was in 2017. I met so many just nice hosts. It's a great community. And I love, you know, turning my own home into an Airbnb. Like I'm traveling to Austin next month. My home's going to be an Airbnb while I'm away and I'll stay in an Airbnb. I'd rather stay in like a three-story house Airbnb than in one tiny hotel room in, in the middle of Austin during South by Southwest. So listen, while you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Many people host on Airbnb, but there are people who are just letting their house sit empty, who've never thought about it or didn't realize their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, then you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Daylight savings time is starting up again. Okay, podcast is over. That's all you needed to know. But why do we have uh, daylight savings time? Answer, to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting your clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day that initial, when we initially start daylight savings. But if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There's only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100-plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. This is such a brilliant idea for a business, and ZipRecruiter did it. So ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. I've used ZipRecruiter particularly as a potential employee, and I still, to this day, get messages every day. James Aldacher, would you like to apply to be... VP of entertainment at NBC or whatever. So there's just nonstop emails. Like I got five or six emails today because of because a year ago I signed up for ZipRecruiter. So spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hey, listen, men's health is important. Men act all cocky and like they don't need anything. But the reality is, as you get older, there's some things you need. And it often feels like we're too busy to take care of our health problems. Like, I'd rather do anything then go to the doctor or the dentist or the pharmacy or whatever. But now you don't have to waste your time if you use Hims. 
HIMS, H-I-M-S, HIMS is changing men's healthcare by providing simple and convenient access to science-backed treatments for erectile dysfunction, hair loss, weight loss, and more. The entire process is 100% online, so you get a new routine of improving your overall health faster. Jay, you listening to all this? Yes, I'm definitely going to use HIMS for now. Not on. that you need it. You're, you're young and healthy. James, I'm 35. You, you're getting there. You might, you might need it. Who knows? But if prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and indiscreet packaging. No insurance is needed. You can manage your plan on the HIMSS app, track progress, and learn more about your conditions and how to treat them from leading medical experts. Start your free online visit today at HIMSS.com slash James. Could you imagine that? There's a whole section just with my name on it. HIMSS.com slash James. That's how I how much I am representative of the kind of person who needs hymns. That's HIMS.com slash James for your personalized treatment options. HIMS.com slash James. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See HIMS.com slash James for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. It seems to me that like a local station now using your SBTV can create original content that doesn't necessarily air on their broadcast channel, but airs branded by them on my device. Like, oh, my local CBS affiliate has a short five minute show every day about, you know, an alternative take on the news or whatever, you know, on COVID-19. Uh, I'm going to watch this on, on CBS through, on, you know, through Apple TV. Well, that, yeah, the, the network affiliate model, the one that exists where you have 210 affiliates for each network, that will probably remain largely through the virtual MVPDs, the cable systems, the satellite companies, and with an antenna. What you'll see in the future is uh, the broadcasters, the local broadcasters, taking that primetime time slot and probably putting other programming in there that they control, that they own, or they'll... The, I shouldn't say or they actually will have multiple opportunities to watch different things from you know car races to local sports to they'll start cutting deals with some of the leagues that don't make their way onto ESPN and if we look at what one viewer is worth one viewer watching over the internet for 1 hour you're going to see 50 60 shorter commercials in at a nickel each which is you know $50 CPM it's called you know, one viewer watching anything is worth, you know, $2.50. So it would behoove anyone in this business to go get more people to watch more programming and local broadcasters are in the best position to create that. Yeah. Like why don't, if I'm a local broadcaster and I'm thinking to myself, oh, like how many, how many does the, like the local Fox station in Des Moines, how many viewers do they have, you know, during at 11 AM? So let, that's a hard, hard number. That's <laughs> a hard number to come up with, but probably in the 10, 20,000 viewers tuned into whatever their syndicated fare is. Which seems like nothing, right? So it, it, if I'm a local broadcaster, I, I should be thinking to myself, you know, I should make my own little mini Netflix where I'm taking, instead of just having one show every half hour, I have thousands of shows on at any given moment and I'm constantly advertising them on the broadcast TV. But now I have like, you know, Des Moines Fox app down, you know, Des Moines Fox Plus, download it and 
boom. But that's what SBTV is sort of doing is you're kind of aggregating all these additional local shows like this uh, Anchorage, Alaska yep. dog sled race, which is very popular in Alaska, but now you're able to distribute it, you know, worldwide, really. The way Netflix, it's right. kind of like the Netflix model, but applied to local. Yeah, that's... And 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 you see media move it. Like, what, what, do, what trends are you guys seeing now in media? So I think the... The trends we're starting to see, and we're somewhat trying to drive those trends, and I think we're doing a pretty good job, um, is trying to get the broadcaster to think more about getting unique local programming uh, and less about what they're going to fit into their 24-7 lineup. I mean, that's right. You know, that's pretty well said. It doesn't change. Because Netflix and Amazon and Apple and Hulu, they don't worry about that at all, and those are the things we all end up watching. Right, right. So what we... We tend to do, and we start one broadcaster at a time, trying to teach them the benefits of OTT that they actually have a competitive advantage. I mean, you think about the line between wherever the content's coming from and the viewer is now very straight, and there's very few players in the middle. So that opens up opportunities to have micro audiences, if you will, serving thousands or or even hundreds. So if we're covering a dirt track race in Cadillac, Michigan, it doesn't matter to that local broadcaster that it only has 10,000 viewers. Um, what matters to them is that they're reaching out to get those 10,000 viewers from every other market in the United States, which is brand new upside for them. They weren't able to monetize viewers in you know, Tallahassee, Florida. Now that Cadillac, Michigan broadcaster can, and that's the opportunity. Do you think this will happen, that every local station will start aggressively looking for more and more content because now they can have more content than if, you know, like even like Disney plus, just as an example, they have shows now that don't appear on the Disney channel. Like, I don't even know if the Mandalorian appears on the actual Disney channel, but no one would know that. Like if I go to Disney plus, the Mandalorian is the first show that pops up, but it's just a streaming. It's just like an internet show, which used to have a stigma, but obviously now doesn't like it's considered to be on TV. If you're on the Mandalorian. Right. So we've, tested this with a few of our uh, local partners. In in one case, we covered a, and this may not sound like the most um, mainstream programming, but it doesn't have to be in the over-the-top space. We covered a 10-hour uh, snowmobile race in the upper peninsula of Michigan. We did not promote. Um, we just basically put it out there. Um, it had a grassroots. It must have something grassroots must, must have started because... By the end of the day, we had had 9,700 unique viewers from all over the world tuning into this 10-hour snowmobile race in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. So if you think about broadcasters now just nudging their viewers to watch and nudging those viewers to get their friends all over the world to watch, and there's the opportunity to take a micro-audience and a hyper-local event and turn it into a worldwide uh, streaming event. So okay, let's say take, let's take that dog sled or that that race as an example. Uh, let's say I'm C, you know, ABC in Tallahassee. Mm -hmm. I don't own that show, so how do I, how do I get that so, show? I'm uh, how do why would I market that show? Well, be, because there's the broadcasters know one thing really well, and that's the notion of territorial exclusivity. So, in real time, we align that. Cadillac, Michigan broadcaster in this case with the local affiliate in Tallahassee and where they both used to just be affiliates in this case, now the Cadillac broadcaster becomes more like a network 
and they get one local station in every market to be uh, the promotion vehicle and the ad sales vehicle for viewers in their market that may be wanting to watch that programming. So it's a, we've kind of taken the, the way things used to work or have worked and we've taken the best of them and applied them to over the top. And the notion of exclusivity helps because when that local station in Tallahassee goes to the Ford dealer in town and says, Oh, by the way, if you want to get onto that, um, snowmobile race in Michigan this year, I'm the only game in town that you can buy that through. So, uh, those are advertisers that that broadcaster's known for decades in many cases, and they're just going to start applying it to OTT with those advertisers. And, uh, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm just trying to think, is your competitor YouTube in the sense that if I'm the, if I'm hosting the dog sled race, I could go on YouTube and maybe get a hundred thousand views. Yep. Now it's a little harder to monetize, but I can, as I build an audience, it's easier and easier to monetize. So that that's true. One of the things that I I like to point out is um, you could do that. You'd have to go out and hire you know someone to capture the broadcast. You'd have to get the hardware necessary to get it up to the cloud. You'd have to get it into YouTube. And not that those things are insurmountable. They're not. You can do those things. But in our case, you know, the stations already have the camera. You know, the way it worked with the dirt track race in Cadillac, Michigan, was they took our um, hardware out to the, the track. They actually put a microphone on the in-stadium announcer's desk, and that's where they picked up the announcer, and they put a camera that just followed the lead car. So it was basically a hands-off thing. The cost was zero, and you know they got thousands and thousands of people tuned in. So you can do that, and, and we can do that. And here's where people should take comfort on using our platform. Last year for us, streaming season involved the Super Bowl, the Grammys, the Oscars, the Masters, the NCAAs. And when we stream events like that, we're not just doing one, we're doing 210 local versions of the Super Bowl, the Grammys, the Oscars, the NCAAs. So I guess what I'm saying is it's easier for us to scale down to small events uh, than it is for somebody or a collection of vendors to scale up to handle the Super Bowl. So we tell our local stations, expect to win, expect to be successful. And when you are, then we can scale up with you. So what other, what other trends in viewership or in media are you seeing? Like right now, I imagine you're seeing a spike because everyone's home watching TV and, and like, I'm even now I have to say I am watching local because governor Cuomo comes on every day and has a press briefing. Although I guess I tend to watch it on YouTube. Like the, he does a YouTube live and I don't even know what local network he's, he's doing it on. I guess he's doing it on all the local networks. So governor Cuomo is actually kind of proving the opportunity out, which is, you know, what I mentioned earlier is that the line between the content creator and the viewer is very straight, very short. You can pick up the governor on cable and satellite and over the air, or you can go to YouTube, but you can also get him everywhere else. And so the, the barrier to entry to seeing Governor Cuomo every day is, is it's as simple as point, click, and watch, and you can find him. So therein lies the opportunity. I think that, you know, a couple of years ago, I you know, bought the old Frank Maggot headquarters, which was a TV research firm that for years uh, tried to get every TV station to look exactly the same. And that was their formula for success. And, you know, it, it doesn't work that way anymore. In fact, I think what we're seeing out there in the media industry is there's, there's an intimacy, there's a realness, there's, you know, just what we're doing now, James, it's, you know, we don't have lighting, we don't have anything, but it's intimate, it's real. And I think what 
the one side benefit of this crazy time is that news is going to become more personal. It's going to become more intimate. And you may even have anchors from their homes or from other places doing more to reach the viewers. Because I think we all like to feel like we're a part of it. Well, it's, it, it, it's so true because you look at like Twitter, for instance, right now, or Facebook, essentially everyone in the country right now is, is thinks that they're an epidemiologist. <laughs> like they're all kind of quoting the late, like my aunt is quoting like the latest scientific studies. And I'm like, you were a paralegal for 50 years and now you're retired. And now you're an epidemiologist. Like it's, you know, so everybody really does have their mini show on Twitter, you know, whether it's text or right. TikTok, you know, oh, here's my latest thoughts about coronavirus. You know, you're a, you're a 14 year old teenager. Like <laughs> you don't have any thoughts, period. So, uh, but, but it's true. Like I could sit here, get all the newspapers, analyze them and upload them. What would I do? Like, let's say I want to have my own morning show. What would I do? What's the mechanics? Well, it's, uh, you know, Everybody can do it. It's kind of that old adage, if a tree falls in the forest and nobody's there. Right, that's the thing. Like I can go on YouTube and that's a platform that people go to. Or I can go on Instagram, that's a platform people go to. How, how will I, you know, again, I always wonder about the business model. Like does the business model start to go away? If Netflix is spending $11 billion in programming, Amazon's spending 10 billion, HBO is, you know, so good at programming and YouTube is now spending money on programming uh, and everything else streams anyway on YouTube. What's, what's it do CBS, NBC, ABC, and Fox, do they even survive this in 10 years, 15 years, five years? I, I think what we're seeing right now is the networks are evolving to where the focus is more on the content and creating these bodies of content and these shows that will bring the most audience, uh, the, the largest audiences in to watch, you know, every time a new episode is added. I think I like that when I look at that happening, you know, from where we sit, grabbing local broadcasts, I think you're always, you know, a certain subset of viewers are always going to rely on local. Maybe it's only in times of crisis for some, but, you know, knowing that they're there, that they're going to cover, you know, school closings and, you know, tornado alerts and those kinds of things, we'll always be able to collect an audience just because things are happening in and around us. Yeah, so... um so let's say I want to create a morning show. So I want to get, I'm going to wake up at 5 a.m. I'm going to buy all the newspapers for the day, even though I could look at them online just for the fun of it. I'm going to buy the actual physical newspapers. And then I'm just going to call out, my show is going to be, I don't, I'm making this up, this is BS. <laughs> and I'm just going to call out all the hypocrisy and all the headlines and articles and, and so on. And it's going to be 15 minutes, 20 minutes. And what's my best strategy as a content creator? Should I put that live on YouTube? Should I put that live on Facebook? Should I try to get, you, you mentioned how local stations could look for additional programming and be exclusive and then start streaming to all these devices that you help them stream to. Should that be my strategy? So I think we just need to look at the history of how broadcast television worked in the first place. Each network had a local partner that was essentially telling their viewers, hey, tune in. Tune in at, you know, must-see TV on Thursday nights at 8 o'clock or whatever it was. Um, and so I think if I'm a new content creator, I could go it alone and hope for some success on YouTube. Or I could align myself with the people who are closest to the viewers. And in our case, we think of that as the local broadcasters. And 
So, you know, go back to the math. If one viewer watching for one hour is worth, you know, $2.50, go to where you can get uh, that first million viewers. And, you know, there's 210 DMAs reaching 130 million households. Why not ask the local broadcast community to nudge their viewers to watch your show, This Is BS? How, how would I do that, though? How would I nudge them? So that's where we are very bullish on keeping the network affiliate model working. Uh, it has worked. It will work for you know years to come, especially as long as there's sports out there. Um, and so what we've tried to do is apply that to our technology, which is you know we want to make it inexpensive for you to get your broadcast from wherever it is, your studio, up to the cloud. We do that. Uh, and from there, we insert a local station in the middle to tell their market, hey, tune in to uh, James's uh, one-hour show every morning at 8 a.m. And then you both work together. Uh, you create the content. They tell their viewers to tune in, and they tell their advertisers to pay up, and everybody wins. And um, what's, your, what, what's a good case study? What's a good success story that you've had so far? So I think our our biggest success was with the you know promoting and not promoting but having success with the uh, snowmobile race the ten hour snowmobile race uh, nine thousand three hundred and seventy people tuned in from all over the U S and it was snowmobile enthusiasts I'm, enthusiasts I'm guessing uh, that were tuned into that and they watched for hours and hours and hours and that had to have been grassroots um, you know people tweeting it out or whatever to their friends hey. I'm watching this uh, snowmobile race, and here's the link to get there. And uh, have lo did local stations pick it up and market it on their broadcast signal to local? Since we launched that one as a test, they did not, but we did it. So when we go back and say, next year when we cover this, would you like to be the local affiliates? We'll, we'll have stats to, to show that it worked. And I just wonder, like, do you think is there, like, Right now, Netflix spending tens of billions of dollars. All these companies are spending billions and billions of dollars creating programming. But we see on YouTube so many videos. I could just spend all day watching videos that zero dollars were spent. I wonder if the model of spending $100 million to create a TV show, I wonder if that's going to continue since some YouTube shows or, or, or channels, I should say, spend zero or, or close to zero. And are more popular. Like I see YouTube videos with a hundred million views, a billion views. Nothing on TV gets that. Right, right. It, it's. Uh, I think there's an opportunity here to, you know, to rewrite how pilot season works. I mean, the pilot can happen anytime. You and I could decide we want to have a show today, and we're doing a pilot for little or no cost, and boom, we're out there. So I think those rules will be rewritten. I think when you can monetize a viewer uh, individually, then. There will be shows that cater to 1,000 viewers, 10,000 viewers, and then there will be success stories that will reach the millions of people. So everything is being rewritten. Some of the early over-the-top products were essentially taking cable channels and putting them on the Internet and charging a subscription to get those. Well, that kind of feels like cable. And, you know, in this world, it's, you know, it's more of a one-to-one -one thing, and I think that rewrites everything. So... Uh Okay, I love this because this is like how Amazon changed the whole concept of self-publishing from this weird stigmatized vanity publishing model where, oh, I got to pay somebody to print up 3,000 copies of my book and then nobody reads it and blah, blah, blah. Amazon changed that. So 
actually self-published books now outsell regular mainstream published books on Amazon. I like this because this is like I'm self-publishing a TV show. And I guess the flip side is the problem with YouTube is that I'm one of among 31 billion channels or however many there are. Right. And uh, this is a way where if I can make something that's, I, I could basically make my you know, morning show, upload it to you, and then the, the local, in a, in a ideal world, the local affiliates see it and, and they start picking it up market by market. Like NBC is exclusive in Tennessee, CBS is exclusive in Des Moines and blah, blah, blah. I, I get all 210 markets right. and the incentive for me is I make more on the advertising than I would with a YouTube. If your model works, I'm going to kill it compared to what I would have done with YouTube. Right. Even if I got a million views on YouTube, I'm not, I'm going to make $200 as opposed to, you know, $2 for every viewing hour for every per user that watches my stream. Right, right. And I, and I don't think it's an either or, especially today in the early days of OTT. I think, you know, we have an example here of a show called First Business AM, uh, hosted by Angela Miles, a, uh, uh, a Chicago Board of, of Trade uh, analyst person. She puts her show out. It's syndicated for over-the-air broadcast every morning, Monday through Friday. And so it goes out over the air, probably 70 or 80 local TV stations in their 6 a.m. time slot. The minute it's done airing, it hits our system, and then she's able to monetize First Business AM uh, nationwide, if not uh, internationally as well. So I think there's opportunities to play in both worlds for now, and that content when we air it, starting at uh, 8 a.m. across the U.S., uh, it's still fresh. I mean, it, it just originally aired at 6 a.m. in 70 local TV markets. Do you think the traditional syndication model will go away where, kind of, you know, Oprah started from syndication where she made her show and then King World, which owned her show, syndicated out to uh, all 210 markets or however many markets there are. Uh, but now I could just again, stream, stream it on whatever platform I want and, and probably get, I won't get as many viewers as Oprah, but I'll get viewers. I'll get an audience. I tend to think that that model will be applied to the internet. I think it's better to have a local broadcaster in every market going to the advertisers and saying, Hey, James's shows on Monday through Fridays, every morning at 8 AM. Do you want a piece of it? Uh, and I think it'd be easier for you to partner with that local station than it would be to try to go it alone. And so we're betting on uh, aligning you with local partners. And, and the ideal for you is like, so you, you have the relationships with all the local stations. You have, you mentioned you have 740 local stations that you power all of their streaming into all of these devices and so on. And so you're kind of like the intermediary. You're almost the syndication company really. Right. That's one way to look at it. Yeah. We are the, you know, we sit in the middle kind of like, we're kind of like the re-envisioning of the network itself. We sit in the middle and we we do matchmaking. And what what else do you think is going to happen in media? Do you think people will stop going to movie theaters after this is all over? Well, it's hard to uh, it's hard to think that we'll ever stop going to a destination to see the movies, especially the big ones. Um, that said, you know when I put in my first home theater, you know ten years ago or fifteen years ago. 
I think it cost seventy, eighty thousand dollars. And you know, this past week we ordered a Sonos sound system, and it was like fifteen hundred dollars. And so <laughs> you think about it, everybody the barrier to entry to having your own theater like experience uh, at home it's it's much different nowadays. But I I think we'll always go to movie theaters, especially when we get through this crisis. But it's interesting though how all the major movie companies are now releasing to because they have to they're releasing to theaters and on demand at the same time. Right, I think you want to follow the viewers wherever they are and right now they're at home, so that's the way to get them and you know the strategy for anyone in the media industry is to get a viewer and keep a viewer, keep them in your world. So but like HBO used to pay huge amounts of money for the rights to a movie and if it's just if a movie is just being released immediately on demand everywhere has that business model changed? Like, are movie studios losing money? Like, how are they making money on all this? Well, I think they've, you know, morphed into, you know, content creators serving platforms where they would, you know, send off their shows to be originals on those platforms. Um, but I think, yeah, the rules are being written right now for what is, what are those windows? What are the, you know, we used to go to the theater and then. And that was the only way we could get a movie early. And then there was a window that would say, okay, it gets to DVD after a certain period of time. And, um, you know, that, that's, that's changed. So the, the whole windowing uh, world for rights is being rewritten right now. And is the, is the money there to support that? So it used to be, right. So now, now that I'm thinking about it, it used to be first worldwide release in movie theaters. Then it would be DVDs. Then it would be you know, HBO would pay $50 million for a Star Wars or an Avengers or whatever. And then it would be uh, local affiliates and they'd get an advertising split, you know, and then they start selling rights in foreign countries and, and so on. But now it's like straight to Amazon where I can buy it for $19.95 or $9.95 a, a, a movie. And then I guess there's a split. So nobody's giving the movie studios money up front, I, I don't think. Um, but they're, they, they, they're counting on a big split with YouTube, Amazon, and other, and then I guess Netflix probably does buy the rights because Netflix doesn't charge right. on the fly. But uh, uh, so this is, is the money making up for it? Like, did even though the whole model has been torn apart and rebuilt, has has the money compensated the movie studios equally? I think how it moves and when it moves is what is is changing. Whether it's equal or not, I think content's always going to be king. Uh, you know, if the great content should make more. That's one of the beauties of the internet is we can track that. It's um, very trackable. You know, tonight we'll sit down in front of Apple TV. We'll go to the hit the movies button and we're going to start seeing movies. The recent ones we'll have to click two or three times to find out, oh, that's not available to rent. It's only available to buy. So the windowing system is being experimented with uh, mm -hmm. as we speak. And then we'll flip through a few more movies and we'll finally find one that's Four ninety nine. We'll probably go check the ninety nine cent uh, deals uh, before we choose. But uh, windowing's alive and well, but it's morphing with viewer habits, which is you know how much are you willing to pay to get the most recent movie, and you know are you willing to pay nineteen ninety nine, or will you wait an unknown amount of time, typically a month or whatever, to pay four ninety nine? So here's my ideal. I wanna, I'm gonna make my this more the, the the this is not your morning show or whatever. And what what are the steps now? I I, I film it at, at 7 a.m. for an hour or for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I upload it to SBTV the way I would upload it to YouTube. So what we would do, what we what we hope to do is is embed our technology in your studio. We'll take it to the cloud live. Whether you air it live, it's gonna be entirely up to you. Uh, or you produce it, it runs through our hardware, which 
basically starts the process of delivering the picture from everywhere from a big screen TV all the way down to a small device that may not seem that difficult, but it is. If you think about everybody with a different internet connection throughout the world and a different device, you've got to get it ready for every device and the quality's got to be spot on. And, and so that starts the process of the encoding and the stream packaging, it's called. But how does that happen? Like, can I just videotape on my phone and make an MP4 file? Or You could, but then it's got to be optimized for every device and every market and every which bandwidth connection that people have. Uh, and that's where our technology sitting in the middle makes it easy for you to do that. And I, I upload, let, let's say I have an MP, I did this on my phone. I, I videotaped it. I have an MP4 file or whatever, or .mov, .mov file, whatever the format is. And then I upload it to SBTV and and then local stations see it and sort of say, oh, this is cool. We we want this for CBS Tennessee. Yes. Oh no, we want this for Miami ABC. And then and then my ideal is they promote it. Right. So we we've taken a somewhat whimsical approach to what you just described, I guess. And we've we kind of looked at it like maybe syndication ought to work the way Tinder works. Um you know, a number of people that work for me use use Tinder. I don't myself. What? That's scandalous. Are they doing? Are they like Dr. Fauci and using Tinder during the shutdown? <laughs> well, I'm not sure when. Well, well, I, well, Dr. Fauci on some podcast said that people should still do Tinder hookups yeah. during the lockdown. <laughs> And I wonder, like, when is this guy working on a vaccine? Right. Like, he's just well, he's just on podcasts talking about Tinder <laughs> and then going to White House press conferences. Finding finding love is always important. So, when what we would do is we take uh, your morning show, we're going to put it into our syndication app. Um, we call it Market Sync. Uh, Two hundred and ten broadcasters across the U.S. are going to get a little notification in their pocket, and it's going to say, "Hey, James has a show. He'd like you to consider carrying." They can watch your sizzle reel. They can say, I think that'll work in my market. Push a button and they immediately syndicate your programming into their either live feed or, you know, we can start it the next day. So we we take a tender approach and we try to make it fun. Uh, and we get you instantaneous feedback on who wants to carry your programming. Yeah. And then, but like in my house, I'll probably, ne- like they spend probably hundreds of thousands of dollars or thousands of dollars a day on their shows. I'm probably not, they're going to look at it and they're going to say, oh, well, this is not as high quality as our local news show, which is in a studio and there's producers and there's assistants and the anchors are really good looking. You know, I'm not going to have the same quality. And very rarely anybody's going to have a, a studio in their house. So therein lies the silver lining. One of the silver linings, if 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 you will, of the COVID-19 crisis that, you know, as we talked about, there's, there's a new intimacy to broadcasting. You know, right. You, you can, you know, we'll f- film it in your, in your, in your home. We'll have you on the couch, you know, you'll have a conversation with whomever and away you go. And so if it works great, we'll do more of it. We'll spend more. You'll spend more. If it doesn't work, you quit. I mean, that's the beauty of almost real time syndication and real time feedback. I mean, the internet is connected. You know, we keep hearing everybody say, you know, stay connected. Well, if you got a device, I guess you are connected. Right, because I do think one important thing about this period and afterwards is that content creators, like you said earlier, uh, content is king. That's always been true, and I think that's even more true now, right? You're seeing every every media provider, every content provider is seeing viewing, you know, go up, spike. Yep. Uh, and 
I think it's really important for content creators now to double down on their content and, and to look at all the viable opportunities for either audience building or monetization and so on. So as we're recording, we're recording this on a Friday. It's not going to come out today, obviously, but Monday, I want to send you a show. What should I, what should I do? Tell me step-by-step. Step. I'm going to film from seven to eight, maybe. And, and then I have a dot MP4 or, or a dot MOV. I'm going to do it on my iPhone. Uh, what, what should I do next after that? So uh, what I would do is, um, whether you shoot a sizzle reel or a, you know, 15 minute pilot, doesn't matter the quality. doesn't matter if you're using your iPhone or your, you got Jay in there doing it with all the gear. Um, you shoot it, you talk in your real voice, you upload it to us. Um, or we could live stream it if you wanted to. Um, and then we let the broadcasters in every market know, hey, here's James. He's got this idea for a show. What do you think? And, you know, if we put it into our marketplace, then those broadcasters will get notified. They'll pull out their iPhone. They'll watch it real quick. And they likely will say, I want this show for my market. Okay. And then, and, and I could, you said a pilot or a sizzle reel. Can I just start doing this show every day? And will there be viewers from day one or no? Well, we have a built-in viewer base uh, across those hundreds of um, websites and news apps that we power and our own SBTV products. So what we do is, you know, it's all about channel placement. You know, back in the early days of cable, everybody wanted to be on channels one through 10 because those are the ones that people right. click through uh, the most. Um, so we would give you a premium placement. So every time a viewer launched any of our apps, your show would be front and center and show right up. And what what do you worry about in terms of media? What what do you what what keeps you awake at night? You've been running this business for eleven years. You're right. We met in I didn't realize that we met in two thousand nine when you were first launching this, and we had a lot of mutual friends actually across many different areas of life. Right. And uh, so we so we got along and and. Where do you see, um, you know, I forgot, I forgot, I forgot what I was just asking. Uh, oh yeah. What keeps you, what keeps you up at night? Well, I think what, you know, what keeps me up at night when I think about this business is scale. Can I get to every broadcaster in every market and convince them of my point of view? And it's not that we won't ultimately get there. I don't worry about that. We'll get there. Uh, what keeps me up at night is, can I do it fast enough? Do I have the right amount of people reaching out to the right amount of stations? And do I have the right messaging out there? Because it's a very different thing to think of a, a you know, what used to be we would put together our lineups and we'd figure out what we were going to air every day at 4 o'clock. And that's when Oprah came in and, and showed us, well, air me at 4 o'clock every day. So that's very different in a schedule-based world. And so can I get to the broadcasters fast enough? Is my message going to be effective and get them to sign up? And, you know, my last company, every local TV station in the country, every network and every satellite company was a customer of mine. So starting this one, I kind of had a head start. So the question is, can I go fast enough? And, you know, that's what keeps me up at night. Will local affiliates go out of business during this time because advertising's down? I don't think they'll go out of business because they serve the public trust. I mean, they have a license. In exchange for those licenses, they get out hyper-local news, weather, sports, critical information, you know, tornado warnings. Um, you know, it's hurricane season, and it's not been a good one. So they're not going to go out of business. Will they have a downtick? And are they having a downtick in advertising? Of course, like the rest of us are. But I think they'll they'll do just fine. 
but they're profitable still? Like, is it, is it possible to be profitable when advertising falls 30%? Well, I think that because of the way the broadcast industry has morphed, especially in the last decade, is, you know, when I started, there were hundreds of groups that owned all of the stations, and now there's probably 40 groups and three or four large ones that own in the hundreds of stations. And with that scale, they were able to get economies that would help them weather uh, an event like the COVID-19 crisis. All right. and But now it looks like also, like, what do you think is going to happen to Netflix long-term? Like HBO Max is launching, uh, Disney Plus launched last year. There's all these Netflixes, you know, pseudo Netflixes coming out. Like, do you think Netflix survives all this? Can they continue spending 11 billion a year on content? Well, I, you know, as I, it's always about market share. They've, they were there, they got the market share first. You know, I used to, but, the, but Netflix's two most popular shows though, were friends and the office. And I, I don't know about the office, but Friends have has been pulled from Netflix, and I think HBO Max, because it's affiliated with Warner Brothers, which produced Friends, uh, HBO Max is going to be the only place you can watch Friends now. But And Friends was the most popular show on Netflix. Most people don't realize that. Yeah, it's, you know, back when it was, what, six ninety nine a month, I said it's basically free. So <laughs> clearly yeah. they're going to survive because we forget it's even on our credit card. Uh, I think they're going to be just fine, although I think what's interesting is you're seeing these, a new kind of walled garden, you know, it used to be cable companies were the walled garden. They'd get you to spend 100 bucks a month, and you were in their world. You couldn't get out. You had to get everything through them. And now it, we're entering the world of multiple walled gardens. So we've got our Disney Plus at $6.99. We've got Netflix, whatever that is. Uh, and so we're going to have four or five of those. And so I think, you know, clearly Net, Netflix survives. They've got to continue to create you know, their own original programming and, and viewers will likely stay with them because still, even at 1199, it's almost free when you consider the amount of programming you have available to you. You should get some big TikTok person to make shows for you. And then he or she, most likely she can tell her followers, Hey, catch me on SBTV or catch me on these 50 local stations, blah, blah, blah. We should. That's a great idea. In fact, Noreen, who's listening in here, is actually going all in on researching and, and dabbling in TikTok. And we've put our esports initiative kind of out there. You know, we're focusing on creating brand safe esports. Um, but yeah, she's gone all in on TikTok for that, especially. Yeah, it's interesting because it's a it's a different kind of creativity. I'm really fascinated by there's some really like a lot of it's just dumb, but that's okay. There's billions of little videos there. But a lot of it's really clever and and interesting and funny and and they're able to do it in just fifteen to sixty seconds. Right. So, but like a a collection of those, or or maybe your my favorite TikToker has a five minute show or a ten minute show. That might be something that local uh, affiliates would be interested in, given that this person has forty million followers on TikTok. You know, there's no doubt in my mind that you know even even you, James, could you know, considering your following might consider becoming kind of a navigator or a navigation specialist when it comes to watching TV and effectively sitting back every day and for 10 minutes saying, hey, here's what I see is hot out there. So I think you're going to see the TV guide, if you will, the old grid time across the top channels down the side will come to life with celebrities who essentially start helping people navigate through everything that's available to them to watch. Yeah, Jack, are you calling me a celebrity? Nice. I'm going to, this is going to go to my head. <laughs> uh, 
I'm, but I am going to do, this is fine. I'm going to do a more, a show Monday morning and I'm going to, where do I send it? SBTV.com? Like, what do I do? So we'll, you can, you can send it to me. I'll make sure when we, when we wrap up that we, um, get to you. So you know where to send it, but we look forward to it. All right. And then I want to, but my the listeners, I want them to do their own TV shows. Where, where should they start looking to send shows? So Noreen, you want to chime in with that? You're hot on your mic, right? Did, was that, did you just harass me? <laughs> um yeah we have um we can connect your viewers with our content ingest person um i don't know if i should give her email out um right now but it's judith.cobb at syncback.com so j-u-d J-U-D-I-T-H So I could just upload my show. Like uh, everybody signs up for their yep. channel and yep. then it gets sent out, like you said, to the local affiliates. Like I should just be able to to upload my spot, my channel on SBTV. You're right. We have that. All of the TV yep. stations that are on our platform have that. I think what yep. you're talking That's about is a little more available to the general public. And so we just need to put a new front end on it. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm pushing. I want people to choose themselves mm-hmm. on making their own TV shows because yep. YouTube's too crowded. I want to go, I want to go to the local affiliates and that's like a, this is, that's like a wide open area now. Right. Like that's like the new TikTok. It could be if that, if this, if, if your model works, which probably will work to some extent, like, like, like all media, you know, has some audience, uh, even though there's a long tail of media, uh, this is, this is a viable option and, and for monetization, it's better than YouTube. We agree. I mean, you get lost on YouTube. Why not have yeah. somebody telling their viewers, "Hey, tune in to James." Yeah, for for you, you could either listen to Good Morning America or not your not your normal not your morning show with James Altucher. Right. All right. Well, uh, Jack and Noreen, uh, thanks so much. And and Jack, we've known each other for so long. I'm I'm still always trying to understand the business model <laughs> after 11 years. But you you have you're a monopolist and you're trying something new with SP trying to turn every local station into like a mini Netflix. I think it's a great model. And I hope it succeeds. And, uh, you know, I've been watching, I've been binge watching it nonstop since this lockdown began. So I'm going to get back to it now. <laughs> but thanks so much for coming on the podcast. The legends are true. With overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes. The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.